on this episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. When an athlete comes into the fun fitness aspect of the Healthy Athlete Village, they go through stations that have flexibility, functional strength, aerobic capacity, and balance. And they walk out with measurements, objective measurements, and also suggestions for exercises that they can do at home. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Optimal Health Uncovered. Today, we're here with Sarah Gleason, a physical therapist assistant at Performance Optimal Health. She's based out of our Westport office, but she kindly came down to our Greenwich location to record with me. Uh, do you mind introducing yourself? Hi, my name is Sarah Gleason. I'm a physical therapist assistant at Westport, and I'm delighted to be here and talk with you. Awesome. So we're here to talk about your special relationship with the Special Olympics. Um, I honestly never even knew that the Special Olympics was a thing. And then talking to you, I found out that it was such a vibrant community full of so many amazing and loving individuals. And I even met someone up in Hamden um, who was able to connect with you. So that was a wonderful experience. Would you mind telling me and telling the audience what exactly the Special Olympics is? If I haven't heard of it, I'm sure other people haven't either. Sure. Um, the Special Olympics is the world's largest health organization for people with intellectual disabilities. Um, and they provide athletic competition, um, sports training, and a variety of other things to, to develop the whole person for folks with intellectual disabilities eight years and up. Amazing. So what? how are you connected to it? I know you did some figure skating. What do you do for them? When I was in grad school at Springfield College way back in 1995, um, I stumbled upon a Special Olympics team and I was skating at the rink and I just got connected to the team. In 1997, another relationship was formed that I uh, got involved with a special hockey international team um, through an internship with the Hartford Whalers. And it's just blossomed since then. I moved home to, to Connecticut in 2002 and started uh, sailing at Riverside Yacht Club with a team based out of Darien um, that sails with Special Olympics. And then the following fall, I started coaching figure skating team that's based out of Greenwich at Hamill Rink. And the rest is history. I've started working for Special Olympics shortly thereafter and worked there for eight and a half years. Wow, that's amazing. So do you volunteer now? You're still interconnected I, with the community, I'm, right? I'm still connected. What made me leave the organization was the day-to-day -day drive from Stamford to Hamden. Ah, yes, I've done that a few times. It's and, quite and, grueling. And, uh, we have a lovely Hamden <laughs> office, and the Hamden office for Special Olympics is lovely, but it's just a long time to spend in a car every day. So yeah. when I left Special Olympics day-to-day, -day, I assured Lori Jean included, <laughs> um, the woman you met, that I would stay involved and I've stayed involved and obviously things have changed with COVID. I haven't seen a whole lot of folks, but that's going to get better. Yeah, of course. So you used to be a figure skater. What got you into that sport in the first place? Um, I grew up in, River in Riverside and I was quiet, shy and reserved before I figured out figure skating. Um, Girl Scouts took us skating and I was in a very competitive class. We had bunches of people who were very fast runners, very talented eye hand coordination. <laughs> I was not. Um, but once we got to Darien Ice Rink, I was able to, I figured out that I was the only one who could skate forward and stop. Nice. And I said to mom, we found it. <laughs> That's nice. Through trial and error, you found your little <laughs> calling. Everybody finds some, something that they're good at. And it just, that was the thing. And obviously changed the quiet, shy and introverted. Yeah. 
Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about that transition from being a figure skater yourself to actually teaching people and coaching other people? What's that like? I've always been a teacher. Um, when I first went to away to school, I was convinced I was going to be a school teacher for my entire life. Uh, clearly that didn't happen. Um, but when I, so I started skating when I was 10 and by the time I was 15, the skating school director who still runs the skating school, uh, asked me if I wanted to start teaching and the obvious answer was yes. So I can honestly say that I've been teaching people how to move for 40 years. It's what makes me tick. So you mentioned the fact that you've been teaching people how to move for 40 years and you're now a physical therapist assistant. Can you tell us how you fell into that career? So obviously you're a figure skater, a coach, a teacher, and now you're here. Ironically, I did literally fall into the physical therapy assistant therapist assistant position. I was at a local gym. I had just gotten off a treadmill. I was between jobs, so I was skating and working out in the gym to keep healthy so I could keep skating. And I got off the treadmill successfully, but did not negotiate the two steps down to the floor uh. and landed side stroke position on the floor and strained my distal hamstring left. Uh, went to see a physical therapist, had a physical therapist assistant treating me, putting me in front of a mirror for an exercise for my balance and lower extremity strength. And she noticed that I was self-correcting in the mirror because I'm a skating coach. I know what yeah. the move is supposed to look like. I know what it's supposed to feel like. And I know what hurts. So she asked me, why are you not part of this program? And I said, that's a really good question. And I took some exploratory prerequisite courses because I didn't think I was a science person. Who knows? It's like you don't know with figure skating until you try it. Yeah, so, exactly. So um, decided that I really wanted to do this. I have I had six grandparents growing up. My parent, my mom's parents divorced and each remarried when she was very young. So I've watched you know six people grow old and need therapy. And as a patient myself. Yeah, that makes sense. So now that you're a physical therapist assistant, how does that impact the way that you coach athletes at the Special Olympics? Do you look at things with a different light? Are you able to help them more now that you've had that, you know, uh, background in biology and science? In the skating classes with both my non-Special Olympics athletes, as well as my Special Olympics athletes, um, it's really about breaking down skills and seeing where they're at at the at that day mm -hmm. and you know you can you know what skills you need to work on right. because you've seen them before but the, how they present mm -hmm. that day you know it just depends whether we take a step need to take a step back need to take another what another angle it's teaching a set of skills that you know you need to progress and just figuring out how to do that with, with the science background i can bring that to skating and teach my students, both Special Olympics and non-Special Olympics, you know, which part of their body they're moving, why this works or why it doesn't work. Yeah, I'm sure it makes you become a better uh, teacher and scholar as well. Exactly. Teachers and scholars, that sounds familiar, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I can say to a, a skating student that when you're pushing your leg back, foot back, you want to f squeeze your back pocket muscles. Right. And all of a sudden, the 10-year-old girls get giggly because they realize what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so there's and, 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 and an adult that's actually mentioning that part of the body and that you need to squeeze that muscle to keep your leg up. So, Yeah, that makes sense. And because you know all of this information, sure, it may elicit a few giggles from the younger kids. But 
in the end, you're actually helping them become better athletes and become better at the sport that they're doing because you have this extra set of knowledge that other coaches may not necessarily have. Right. Well, so when you're t- turning your feet feet out, yeah, you're not actually turning your feet as much as you're turning your hip. Mm. And I actually have my students, if they're 10 and up, because right. otherwise younger they, do, they don't get it, place their hands on their actual hip joint and they can actually feel it move. And so huh. they get little kinesiology lessons from me as an added bonus. <laughs> that makes sense. And, and what, the more in tune you are with your own body, the better you can move and perform. So I'm 100%. sure that helps a lot. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I honestly, so I, whenever I lift heavy things and I have to lift all this heavy podcast equipment everywhere, I need to remind myself lift with my arms and, you know, don't lift with your back. That's not good for you. And as soon as you Unless know. Unless you want to be a patient here. <laughs> Well, as much as I love their care, I don't exactly want to induce affliction upon myself, but yes, it's please fine. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, it's because I know how the body works, I'm better able to move mm-hmm. and do things and perform physical activities. So I think that's really important, especially teaching kids at a young age. And also you're going to be the coach to people who are very successful. I think that's <laughs> a nice little uh, gold star to have. I've also had adult students and they've come in and said, I've hurt my knee and I've asked them, well, what did you do? You know, as much as you can tell me. And if I've had similar problems or I've had students with similar issues, okay, we're not going to do this, this, and this, yeah. but we are going to do this, this, and this. So it's it's amazing. And patients I'm seeing in Westport, mm-hmm. we're working on gait and balance. So it's right up my alley. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just fun to, you know, use my skating cues and here and then use my physical therapy cues on the ice. So it, it all interchanges. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm just curious, a, a lot of what we do at Performance Optimal Health, it re- revolves around everything. So not just exercise and movement, but also recovery and nutrition and a little bit of stress management here and there. Do you ever speak to your athletes about that or do you kind of just focus more on the movement side of things? Before being licensed, I've mm-hmm focused on being the on-ice coach because that's my role um, right. for Special Olympics figure skating. At a recent Winter Games in 2020, because we had it, because it was February of 2020 before mm. the world ended. Did its thing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that, 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 that lovely event that happened. Um, and I realized that a lot of my athletes weren't able to sit straddle or you know do a number of things. We had a stretch clinic at Winter Games and so I went home and wrote up home exercise programs for Lovely. my five or six athletes that I had. Fortunately, I haven't been able to give them out because we haven't been together. Right. We've had Zoom meetings. We've had, um, Greenwich Special Olympics has decided to have weekly Zoom meetings, exercise parties. That's cute. Some some exercise gets done and a lot of chatting <laughs> and catching up. But you know, again, it's the whole person, and you know, a twenty-minute exercise isn't going to solve the world problems but seeing each other's faces is just you know and wishing that we could you know be together again every week just warms the heart yeah i'm sure do you know when you're going to be able to see your athletes in person again uh the greenwich team has actually started playing golf at stanwich country club um i'm not much of a golfer and oh. Wednesday, on the day they practice, I have family obligations. But soon, the fall state event that has golf and sailing and bocce and softball 
um, is going to be run in a modified way. Summer games in June were on a very small scale were held. Winter games before that were we did a virtual thing. You know, you that's s- something. S- send recordings in, and there was a loop on Facebook with videos oh. and stuff. So you know, we've been together, but they're really anxious to get together. Yeah, I'm sure in person. So yeah, and you keep mentioning all of these different types of sports. I honestly keep forgetting that bocce exists (laughs) it's such a random sport at least to me so it sounds like you have quite a lot of athletes participating and a lot of people engaged in the sport Um, i think one time you even mentioned that you filled up an entire university dorm with people so summer games when pre-covid um and from many years was at uh, southern connecticut state university it has since moved to i believe fairfield university except that it didn't happen because i was in charge of housing and we would literally fill up the dorms with wow. yeah, with the athletes, coaches, unified partners, those folks without intellectual disabilities, and chaperones and things like that. In the state of Connecticut, there are over 12,000 athletes. Wow. And not all 12,000 of them are ever together in one game. Right. But the big sports, the summer games is sort of a flag, is like a... A main event, right? And Winter Games is pretty large, and bowling is very popular in our. Huh. It's, it's inexpensive; everyone can do it. Yeah, that makes they sense. Can, it's easily adaptable. You can get ramps and all sorts of stuff. Speaking of the summer games, we were talking about healthy athletes, um, I th- which I think is a fascinating concept and sounds like a really good idea. Do you mind going into that? No, not at all. So, healthy athletes um, is a way to get the athletes who participate in Special Olympics, who tend to be underserved in the healthcare community just in the last 50 years. You know, so much has changed for our athletes. They've gone from people that were hidden and put yeah. away in, in homes to people who are actually living in apartments with staff. And um, are celebrated by and, filling up an entire and university. university. And, you know, ESPN recently, World Ga- this is a different topic, but World Games and USA Games, actually, the last time there, was, there were those games, ESPN televised the opening ceremony. Oh. So, so we are out in front. Um, we are no longer, you know, the people that should yeah. not be named. Healthy Athletes is a, it's part of the special uh, summer in Connecticut, predominantly it's, in the summer games, just because most people are together. Right. And it has things, we have podiatrists come in for something called Fit Feet. We have healthy hearing. We have nutritionists. We have eye doctors come in for opening eyes. We have dentists coming in. Athletes can walk away from games with glasses and not even know they needed them. That's amazing. Near and dear to my heart is the fun fitness aspect of it. And fun fitness is a curriculum which was originally developed for Special Olympics, by the American Physical Therapy Association. You know, here I sit, coming from two different worlds that have collided, and now I get to talk to you about Special Olympics, so it's fun. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So it's a comprehensive, cooperative, and educational um, component of Special Olympics. It educates participants, families, and coaches, and provides hands-on opportunities for the participants to learn about physical therapy and fitness overall. Yeah, I'm sure that's especially important considering they're moving all the time. They should know about those right. things. And it also trains the medical profession right. who have gone from no longer using the word mental retardation thanks to Rose's Law mm-hmm. in 2009 to using the word intellectual disabilities 
which is just far kind. It's a far kinder term. Yeah. You can't turn it into a you can't turn it into a slur. Right. So yeah, that's insult, but you can't turn it into a slur. Um, so the goals of the healthy athletes is to improve the athlete's ability to train and compete, to train healthcare professionals, students, and others about the needs and care right. management of folks with intellectual disabilities. When an athlete comes into the healthy athlete, the fun fitness aspect of the healthy athletic village, they go through a screening process. They go through stations that have flexibility, functional strength, aerobic capacity, and balance. And they walk out with measurements, objective measurements, um, and also suggestions for exercises that they can do at home. That's amazing. Again, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. And (laughs) this also sounds like a really good opportunity. I mean, you mentioned this, so I'm not, I'm just repeating, but I want to emphasize the fact that medical practitioners they, they serve the communities that they're in. They can't just stick to a certain kind of population or right. maybe a certain location. Or And it's really important to learn how to treat a variety of different people. You're not going to get the exact same person coming through your door. So And everybody deserves the exact same quality level of care. So this sounds like an amazing opportunity to actually go out to these underserved populations and give them exactly what they deserve. For athletes to be able to walk away with an exercise program, a pair of glasses, and even teeth. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's, it's a it's, one-stop it, shop, it, better than it, I can get. <laughs> it, is, it is life-changing. And um, some of the things that uh, unfitness has uncovered is that 49% of the population has flexibility problems that go unidentified. Makes sense. Or, and I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, because... Uh, yeah wasn't aware that 38% have balance problems and 29% have strength problems that are identified through this. And it's just an amazing, amazing way to get therapists together in a different way. It's not just Special Olympics athletes that develop bonds. It's the volunteers and the coaches and everything else. We have volunteers who have met their spouses at games. And now their young children are volunteering. One other thing I wanted to mention about uh, Fun Fitness is that all the data that we collect um, gets sent to SOI in in Washington in the U.S. What is that? SOI, I'm sorry, Special Olympics International. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, I'm going to start talking in in acronyms. Um, And they collect and analyze and disseminate the data on the health and fitness of and the needs of folks with intellectual disabilities. And just getting the term mental retardation exited out of the vocabulary and intellectual disabilities is just... To get into special... As an athlete, you need to be diagnosed with a developmental disability or an intellectual disability that doesn't... You know, We're not talking about somebody who gets pulled out of math class. Right. We're talking about there's an IQ and there's a, there's a, there's a medical diagnosis. Um, that being said... You need to be eight years old in order to compete. Younger than that, there is a young athlete program. Oh, so, nice. so everybody gets included. Yeah. And there are, you know, 70, 80-year-old athletes. Wow. You know, thanks to the progression of, me- of the medical field in the past 50 years, that that's entirely possible. That wouldn't have been possible. That's amazing. Before. So there's a medical form that they need to fill out, that they go through and... You know, the, the doctor fills out, and that gets updated every three years, just in case there are changes. So it's fully medical, and we have medical volunteers at each of our games. Yeah, that's amazing. So not only do they get to exercise and participate in healthy athletes, they get to actually keep track of their 
medical and yeah. history and their health. Yeah, that's amazing. I actually also had one more thing to ask you about. So is there an, any other way for other people to get involved in actually playing? I think you mentioned something about unified athletes. Yes. So most sports, um, thank you for asking that. <laughs> most sports have a um, traditional and a unified component. What that involves is traditional sports is when uh, the only people on the field or playing the, the sport are folks with intellectual disabilities. Right. Unified partners are f- teammates who play on a unified team with folks with intellectual disabilities and compete together, right. which is just amazing. With unified sports, we want to make the team as blended as possible. And to that end, we've taken the precaution to make sure that the, the athletes, their jersey numbers are even, and the unified partners' jerseys are odd. Therefore, Special Olympics athletes are not odd. I love that. That's such a wonderful little addition that, I mean, you can really just see how much the organizers care about everybody who's participating in it. That's absolutely wonderful. And you can go from skiing, you can have floor hockey, certainly, any team sport. Speed skating can have relays that are unified. All have the equal amounts of fun and compete for medals. The unified medals do say unified on them, and the traditional just are just just gold medals. In uh, just a gold medal. Just, just a gold medal. <laughs> it's not like you earned it. <laughs> Thank you for your sense of humor. Of course. <laughs> so the unified teams, most towns in, uh, in the state have a team. Greenwich has a team. Darien has a team. Hampton has a team. And with a variety of sports, so contacting, um, if, if you know somebody in your town, who is involved with Special Olympics, definitely get involved with that. Um, they'd be more than happy to have people volunteer. You don't have to be great at your sport. You just right. have to have a passion for it and a passion for people. And Games Weekend are some of my favorite weekends in the entire calendar. And I've been involved you know, since 2002. And as I've mentioned, volunteers you know, have formed, have you know, met, and met their spouses and grown families. Yeah. And, and they're all interconnected with everything and plan their vacations around the event. So, and yeah. as do the athletes. And you know, you can have an athlete absolutely dead tired at summer games at Friday night. You know, opening ceremony that fills just outfield when we were at Southern, and competing all day long. And you would think that they would go home, they go back to the residence halls and crash. But no, there's a dance right after Aww. dinner, and it's it, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like the absolute most wonderful community out it's, there. No community is perfect, but yeah, it comes close. And it's yours. It's your and, community. And it's mine. <laughs> and I, I told you earlier that when I was working with my special hockey international team, the Hartford Current came to cover our team. And I told the Hartford Current that, you know, when you walk into the locker room and you, you're tired yourself because it's the end of the day, but then you get greeted like your norm from the sitcom Cheers of coach, it's just, it, you know, all the problems go away. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Um, and yeah, as Sarah said, if anybody wants to get involved, please check them out at SOCT.org. And thank you again for being here with us. Thank you.